Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. So we're joined for this episode by the guys in the Peelers. Hello, everyone. Hello, Craig and Ellie. Craig and Ellie, how you doing? Hey, guys. We've got Dave and Johnny, and we've got Eric and Scotty from the Peelers. How's it going, guys? You all right? Mm, Good. Good to be here. It's cold and it's snowing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah what's the what's the state of affairs in canada at the minute in terms of the lockdown and whatnot i assume you're in some state of lockdown right now yeah yeah, yeah scotty's locked down at a ski resort <laughs> <laughs> <Of life. laughs> talking to us literally as he's skiing down a hill <laughs> David. Uh, the, the, the idea did cross my mind to uh do this call from the gondola or something uh, would have been excellent <laughs> So obviously, first and foremost, we're here to have a chat about the about the new album, Down and Out in the City of Saints. Um, but for our for our listeners, let's just get a bit of a bit of context on the band. Um, so you guys started out in in '99, yeah, 1999. You guys started playing together, Dave. Yeah, uh, we started under a different name in '99, and um, it was Eric and I and uh, a couple other uh, friends from home. And home was about halfway between, right on the Quebec border. So, so you know, I grew up, Eric and I grew up very close to Glengarry County, and which you're familiar with. It's a county in Eastern Ontario that borders the Quebec on one side, uh, and, and it borders uh, the St. Lawrence River to the south. And, and then of course, you can pretty much throw a rock across the St. Lawrence and hit New York State, you know? So very heavily uh, in, uh, Scottish and Irish settled, uh, pre and post famine my my family came from from ireland pre famine still still an incredible presence especially on the scottish side in in, in glengarry to this day uh but yeah that's so that's that's kind of where where it all kind of began in 99 was in a friend of ours lived in north glengarry and it began sort of in his kitchen you know like his farmhouse kitchen and and uh, a bunch of friends and and a bunch of a bunch of guys that were that were big fans of not only uh, uh, traditional uh, Scott and Irish uh, music, but also punk rock as well. We were, you know, yeah. maybe not so much the other half of the band, but definitely on my side. And uh, and so it was just it was just a meeting of uh, you know convenience, I suppose. So we we liked both genres, and we were trying to figure out a way to to sort of um, combine the two, you know. And then we heard the Pogues, of course, and the the rest is uh, the rest is history. Yeah, sure. So you'd obviously you play guitar and sing in the band. Um, yourself and Eric, who we've got tonight with us, um, Eric was also one of the one of the founding members of the band. And Eric plays whistle. Yeah, whistle. Actually, started off with whistles back in that farmhouse kitchen, just uh, you know, playing around, and now added uh, organ and piano with to uh, to two last albums. Who else would you say were some of your like key influences in terms of the, the early days of the band? Well, obviously the Pogues is the first one that comes to mind in all of this, uh, you know, all of this as, as Dave mentioned, uh, but also punk rock bands like, uh, you know, for sure the the Ramones were a big influence as well, uh, kind of in in our upbringing and uh, you know and the kind of the clash of the of the music. So it's uh, 
essentially those uh, those were the, the the two big influences at least on on myself at that time so 2002 you guys went on to release the first album boots and suits yeah do you want to talk to us a bit about the, the kind of boots and suits era dave <laughs> i mean you know if you listen to it it sounds like we were sort of just starting out it was it, you know there was it was a short album in terms of being a full release i think it's 10 maybe nine songs i think and uh you know, a couple of, got, there's seven according to spotify there's a reason for that i held tracks back because we had actually covered uh we actually covered a couple of pogues tunes for reasons of licensing uh amongst other uh, other things i didn't want to i didn't i didn't want them out there so i've uh cool. i've held them back so you can still get them uh if you're lucky enough to have one of the original uh, uh compact discs uh you you can, <laughs> one of those you can again <laughs> yeah exactly so you can certainly find it find it but um yeah it was it was a very straight straightforward uh, representation of what we were doing at that time so playing in pubs trying to get booked anywhere we could playing a lot of traditionals you know like way too loud way too fast um, and and uh, you know cover covers as well and then we had one original on that album so uh, what the hell's the original on that album Eric it's uh, the, the first dealer song meet, I ever wrote it's a meet you at the bottom, bottom of a bottle. bottle I'll meet you at the bottom of a bottle it's called so yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that was that was the first album and and, and you know you can tell that it's the first album, definitely, if, yeah, you've, uh, if you're listening to it. It's the sound of a band who are trying to find their craft and try and find their way forward, you know? 100%. I agree with that 100%, Craig. That, that's the same uh, position we were in at that time as well, for sure. Between Boots and Suits and Liquordale, there's quite a, there's quite, quite a big gap. And, and I suppose that's where you were essentially plying your trade a little bit, playing, the gig, playing some gigs here and there, right in, trying to put together original material for for an album would that be fair or talk to me about the time between 2002 and 2009 well no to uh, but uh, actually liquordale came out in 2004 so there was only two years ah. uh, between those two ah, okay um again so spotify's I, so, telling lies oh is spotify saying that yeah. the the uh the funny thing is when you said that i thought well it was only two years between uh, boots and suits and uh, liquordale but it was tw uh, i think 12 years between liquordale and palace of the fiend so yeah. i you, when you said you took a break or you you know but yeah um no you know what between 2002 and 2004 we were we actually started hitting the road like we 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 started playing uh uh dates in the u.s and 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 bigger dates around home and we started yeah. to sort of feel our way around you know in terms of uh, what we could do well, you know, we didn't, we didn't, Eric and I didn't start this band to, to, uh, you know, the pubs are fine and they're fun, but we didn't start this band to play in the pubs. We, we started it because we wanted to see the world on somebody else's dime, you know, and yeah. through the music, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of what we were doing between the, those two albums, but definitely writing original material uh, and working it out before we got to Leckerdale for sure. So on, on Leckerdale, you've got, there are 11 tracks here. Are they, how many, are they all original or how many of them? Are uh, off, the, off the top of my head, Craig, I'm going to say that nine of them, I, be I believe, are original. What I does think... Spotify say? <laughs> yeah, what does Spotify say? <laughs> Spotify says that actually seven and a half are original in your line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, internet that... never lies. Uh, yeah, you know what? My pay my uh, paychecks from Spotify say that as well. So that's, uh, that's fine. But listen, uh, nine originals and then i or sorry nine originals and i think we i think we covered uh the jolly Be uh beggarman little beggarman yeah 
And we also covered a, we covered a song from a band from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, a guy named Chuck Rogers wrote a song called uh, Sons of Molly. And uh, he, he played in a song, he played in a band called the Irish Balladeers. They were, they were a traditional band from Scranton, Pennsylvania, which has a very rich uh, uh, Irish heritage there as well. At about 2.30 in the morning, uh, before a gig the next day, the next morning, actually, I heard that song sung by a girl, by an Irish girl in, in uh, Rocky Sullivan's uh, bar in Midtown. And uh, I just loved the way it sounded. And so I, I looked them up and I, and I asked them if, if we could record it and we did. So yeah, I think it's nine originals and, and two covers on that album, I believe. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a half of another song called Catharsis on the album. Oh, this is true too, yeah. Well, I mean, anyway, if, you listen, yeah. if you listen back to the album, there's a lot of real class tunes on there and songs that you can really, you can hear the influences of bands like the Pogues. Talk to me about Katie Bar the Door. I don't even know what to say about that uh, that song. It, it, what you're saying is true because, you know, obviously I have the numbers from the different streaming services that sort of point to that song being our most popular song. And and I, I don't I, I don't even know what to tell you. It was so long ago I wrote that song. Sometimes they just come to you, right? They come to you easily and 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 the idea gets in your head. And and you know, I took a I took a an old story about a, a about an Irish ship and I can't remember the, the name of it off the top of my head now. But I took an old story about an Irish ship that sank off the coast of Ireland, and uh, and it was just sort of the story around that, and I just compressed it into this uh, semi-narrative of that of that sinking, and 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 came up with that song, and you know, and it, and part of it is about that, and part of it is about you know how you know the old uh, you know the Irish taking the their prisoners and send them to Australia as well. That's in there also. So it was a little bit. It was that's definitely a historical tune. It's definitely a, a fictional Peelers tune. You know, like yeah, yeah. it's definitely a, a, a story I took and I, I created a narrative. And, and but it's been but that song for some reason people love that song and, and I'm fine with that. Um, I, I I'm happy with that. I would not have been off that album. I would not have thought that would have been the most popular track but yeah it's turned out sometimes sometimes it works out like that the tracks that you think the tracks that you and your mind and your creative mindset think ah that's a that's a winner they don't kind of sometimes go down as well and then others that you think are maybe middle of the road or not quite as as up there as some of the other tunes you've written sometimes they take off do you know what i mean definitely definitely it's the way it works between liquordale and palace of the fiend there was a massive break. Talk, like, what, wh- where did that? Where did that break come from? Then, Eric, do you want to tell us about the, the? Where did that break come from, and why was that? Actually, we we, we played quite a bit uh, after the release of uh, you know of Liquordale. We we yeah. toured we toured quite a bit uh, across Canada, the U.S. a lot a lot in the U.S. And uh, I guess uh, a couple of us went on uh, a few different uh, different paths for a while. You know that that time of our lives that uh, we just. We had a, a pretty tight band at the uh, at the time, and you no, know, some of some of the guys started having kids, and uh, it just uh, it just created a bit of a break. And uh, then we kind of started talking again, uh, Dave and I, and said, you know, we can't we can't end our life this way with uh, you know with kind of only one album. Started talking and started playing again, and got back together with some of the guys and started uh, you know, getting back into the studio and actually took, took a bit of time to record that album and get that album released, uh, released as well. Really glad we did it. So uh, listen, Craig, I gotta tell you something. This band is, has a real um, history of, uh, uh, how do I put this, uh, uh, turnover in, in terms of the lineup. 
So, okay. um, you know, the, the lineup at is that, that point no one time, can tolerate you for long enough or why is that? <laughs> that's exactly, that's, I can guarantee you, if you put a lie detector on the other three on this chat, they, they would. That, that, uh, that's why I went to prison for six years. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, you know what, man? Like we, we, uh, we went through a lot of lineup changes. But it was pretty solid, I'd say, between 2002, 2007, it was pretty solid. We pretty much had the same lineup. We had a few fiddlers come and go, uh, but pretty much the same core lineup. But you know what? We took a break. I was in school. You know, we had we had uh, some of the some of the guys like Eric said had kids. It was just it, it just sort of started to drift away from us. And we'd been playing a lot of U.S. states, a lot of U.S. Uh, uh, big u.s festival stages and we just we didn't feel like we fit in there i don't think either and so we were still kind of trying to find our way between that album and then what we came out with in, in, with palace of the fiend so uh, you know i'll say that there was a uh, definitely a break uh we stopped touring around 2007 or 2008 i think and then and then we kind of got back into it uh, early early 10s early 2010 so yeah, there was a break for sure. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's hard to really pinpoint the exact, but the exact cause. But as Eric says, you know, him and I just talking and saying like, we got to do this because we had such a, uh, we had a quite a bit of success actually with Liquordale, just in terms of the genre itself, uh, mm -hmm. Celtic Celtic punk genre. That album was really successful, and a lot of bands and, and a lot of uh, media uh, outlets that are dedicated to the genre still refer to that band or refer to that album as well. So uh, that's, that's really cool. Right. And like you said yeah. about Katie bar the door, you know, being a popular song. So we just said, you know what, we got to get back at this. We got to do it again. And, and, uh, or else we won't be able to live with ourselves. And, and essentially that's what we did when yeah. artists, especially in the Celtic genre in, especially in this country, it's tough yeah. to find artists in the genre who first of all, want to play our style of music, and secondly, who who are free enough to you know who have oh, yeah. the freedom and the time to do it as well, right? So you know, we're, I'm, I've been lucky to know John for a long time. Uh, fantastic guy, great fiddler, and and you know he he just kind of made his way in. And then we had and he had actually played on Liquordale as well. I should mention he had played on the Liquordale album, so he he was right. always there. He just wasn't as available as maybe he has been in the last uh, ten years or so. I'd say. Jonathan, talk talk to us about. Um your relationship with Dave obviously goes back, back a long way. Talk to me about the relationship with Dave and also the other guys. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> that's a really good question. And I mean, you know, like Dave mentioned, it's, it's been a long time that we've all sort of been in the game and we've been playing this music um, in many different configurations and in many different venues. And I think one of the things that started happening probably around the late 90s, you know, was that that was before I was involved with the Peelers, but we were the, the guys that were doing the stuff that I was doing, which was mainly playing uh, Irish music in pubs. You know, we, we kind of gradually started becoming aware of this band, the Peelers, you know, and uh, <laughs> all of the pub guys were kind of afraid of them. Yeah, the pubs were afraid of you guys, and uh, you know they'd show like they'd show up every once in a while and and do a show and basically like tear the town apart. And everybody would talk about it for weeks afterwards. And there'd be these kind of legendary stories that that sprang up about you know the after parties and things like that. And so so then you know Dave and I, oh man, Dave, I don't know. I think we 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 just kind of circled around each other. It's like I was playing with the Mahones a little bit. 
and Dave was very, very uh, sort of close with some of the guys in the Mahones. And then we, we would just sort of see each other at gigs. And then every, I think I've eventually ended up on stage with you guys at, at one point, you know, playing like jamming a few tunes. And then it just became, we just became friends and became more kind of aware that we were very similar, had similar uh, musical visions and were kind of similar people as well. Then I guess, and then I think Dave, the first thing was you, you, you would have invited me to play on Liquordale. I think that's the first time we ever really, uh, you know, I knew who you were and I'd seen you play and, and it was kind yeah. of, uh, I don't, we obviously weren't as uh, close as we are now, but I think it was through Tim that, that originally we, we kind of met uh, originally through him, you know, like personally yeah. met through yeah. him. Yeah. So Scott, uh, talk to me about like, how did, how did you end up like involved with the Peelers then? Montreal, like the uh, the pub scene is pretty small and uh, everyone gets to know each other eventually. Like I met Johnny back, I don't know, 20 years ago. And I used to see him play at like Hurley's Irish pub and everything. Yeah, I remember hearing about the Peelers as well. Like I didn't really, at the time, I mean, I didn't know anything about Irish music or anything at all. I was just like, and I was more of like a punk guy. And we started doing all the pub gigs. So occasionally we'd throw in, you know, we'd throw in like some U2 and not traditional stuff, but. Um, so then like years later, I mean, it was like, like I knew the drummer Stewie and the guitar player they had at the time, uh, Tim, and then okay. Stewie reached out to me and he's like, how would you feel about, uh, coming out and trying for the Peelers? And I was like, yeah, okay. Sounds like fun. And then they sent me the record and I was blown away. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is good stuff. Like, and the audition, like I learned, I don't know, 10, 12 songs, whatever it was. And it was just in a room with like seven musicians all playing at the same time. It was just this incredible wall of sound. So I like, I just fell for it right away. I was like, wow, God, this sounds like a wave of music. So it yeah. was great. I loved it. Nice. I have to say you sound like very, very clear for Heartland down a, a hill at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like it's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so Heartland. Hey, can I just say something, Craig, uh, before we go any farther? Yeah, man. Because I just thought of this, and <laughs> I, know, I know it's uh, going to be out of context completely, but I just wanted to say that that first song that I wrote on on uh, that first Peeler song that I wrote, "I'll Meet You at the Bottom of a Bottle," just just came to me now because seeing as how we're 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 talking to you guys and you're sitting there in Scotland, that song I wrote as a tribute to Stuart Adamson, actually. So he had just passed, I believe. I was a massive big country fan. Country so, fan. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, this, so that was an indirect uh, tribute to, to Stuart Adams. And I wanted to say that because that uh, made me think of it, made me think of the connection between, uh, between, uh, uh, between you guys and, uh, and us. Yeah, as well. Anyway. Yeah. Moving into Palace of the Fiend then. Yeah. It doesn't take a genius to, like to look at the, look at the track list and look at the names of the songs, listen into some of the lyrics and you can tell, there's a lot of there's a lot of life stories in there, Dave. Like talk to Here us. Here we about go. That. <laughs> I would say that album and the new and the one that's coming out uh, shortly as well. And I don't say this to take away from the the rest of the guys, but I'm I'm the so singer songwriter, um, and and I think those guys are probably comfortable with me uh, coming out with the songs as well. I think yes, I write the lyrics and and yeah. most and and the songs as well. They obviously yeah. contribute also to the music and and i'm very grateful for that and that's why i, I have those guys around yep. uh for sure because they're because they're all top notch but you know uh definitely uh palace and and uh you know it, here's the thing uh, craig i was going through a bad breakup uh when we recorded palace and then uh when we finished it um as well 
was going through a really bad breakup, a high school sweetheart, as they say, and a long, long-term uh, um, partner. And, she, you know, and she, and she, her and I split ways and, and it was tough. So a lot of what you hear in that album comes out of that. You know, I, I'm, I'm not uh, shy to, to talk about uh, mental illness and I certainly saw, yeah. you know, I certainly deal with it. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, you'll definitely hear a lot of that in Palace. And I like to think that between Palace and this new album, yes, it's been tough. It's been rough sometimes. And, and I'm sure John can attest to this as well, you know, or Eric can tell you as well. But, but I like to think that this new album, there's a bit of an upward trajectory, but still a little bit of the darkness as well, you know, but I like that. I like writing about that stuff. I, my love of, of uh, writing lyrics, you know, my, it's all about experience and, and I like the dark side of, of, uh, of life. And I like, I like putting myself in situations that are uncomfortable and, and, you know, that's, that's where I get a lot of my music and lyrics from. So. Um, yeah. You, you know, Dave, if I can just add a little bit sure. onto, onto what you to sort of continue that, that train of thought, it's, you know, we, we all sort of uh, buy into what you just said in a very big way. And I think one of the cool things about it is that the kind of music that we do as well is like, if you look at the traditions and the, the history of the music that we play, you know, it's not, you know, I think a lot of people associate Irish or Celtic music with like drinking and dancing and fiddly dee and all that kind of thing. But in truth, you know, there's an enormous amount of darkness and suffering. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, you know, the music is kind of a way of dealing with that, you know, and I think that that's been a, a, a sort of a consistent theme with the Peelers as well. You know, as all, I mean, I, I feel that about your songwriting, you know, is that it's always been a kind of an amazing outlet, you know, if nothing else, just sort of quantifying and, and, uh, and dealing with experience itself, you know, life experience. And like Eric was saying, you know, we all have, you know, we, we have half a life behind us now as guys in this band, you know, we're all sort of around late forties and early fifties, you know, and, and like, you, you know, you live, <laughs> you live, <laughs> you can't help it. You live and, and you write about what you live, you know, and, and it's just, it's very cool how the music itself really supports that. And I, I, that's one of the things that I love so much about Celtic music is that it, it really, it's, it's a genre that supports expression in that way. The, the headspace that you're in at that time takes you to where your music kind of is going to go. And then the, the band, the band around you kind of add different layers and layers and layers to that and take it to a, a whole, a whole new place. But that kind of writing process, it's almost cathartic kind of therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we talk about, you know, if you're struggling with it, like there's so many musicians out there who do have challenges with their own mental health and whatnot, yeah. and which we've touched upon already there. And actually mu music can be such a, an incredible creative outlet for that. It's a real catch 22 because I think the, my best music comes from, from there. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that thing where you, you've got a, you know, you, you hear a, you hear these rock bands or these rock stars who, and I'm not trying to imply that I'm on drugs by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, they may be using to, for the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? For, for the- uh, Inspiration. For the inspiration, thank you, John. Yeah. So for the creativity, right? And then they stop using and maybe things, you know, the next album doesn't quite sound the same. And, yeah. and I hate to think that I put myself in these situations purely for the sake of, of, uh, of, of writing a decent album. But, you know, there is definitely something to that for sure. Would you, would you say then, so you write about your life experiences and things like that and go, that goes into 
your songwriting, would you say then in your live performances, that's an, a form of escape because you're sort of in a zone for that hour and a half, two hours? I don't know about an, uh, an escape, Ali, but I'll tell you what, I would much rather be on stage singing, uh, singing lyrics and singing about things that, that are personal to me than just getting up there and, and uh, you know, it's, it's part of the reason I started writing my own music because, you know, when we were playing pubs and, and, and playing other people's songs and, you know, it just, it didn't, you don't have the same, it's not the same feeling, right? Like for me to get up on stage and sing what I've been through and sing about what I've been through and what the guys have been through, it's, it's more of a personal experience for me. I don't know about an escape. I, I listen, it's always an escape being on stage, right? Like, especially in this day and age, we've certainly taken it for granted, right? Like I miss, I miss it so much right now, but, but I get what you're saying. Um, And I I would agree with that to a degree, but I I think for me, it's, it's more about uh, the, the, uh, the, the feeling that I get when I'm up there. And then I I know in the back, somewhere in the back of my head, I know I'm singing about uh, things that I've been through for the most part, right? Like, you know, a lot, you know, I kind of go between uh, nonfiction and fiction and I, and I, you know, sometimes stretch the truth and sometimes there's a lot of truth. And so, but you know, those songs that are really personal, I think, I think that's, that gets me off for sure on stage. Like I love, I love being able to do that and communicate to people. And I love when I hear people like, like, you know, I just did an interview for uh, uh, some publication on the West coast and uh, you know, they, they were talking about the lyrics and uh, I've never really, you know, I've had people say, Oh, your lyrics are great, but it's always been people close to me, but I've never had somebody externally, say that to me and, and when they said that I thought about it and I thought wow that's a really that's the biggest compliment right Absolutely. like you know your lyrics your lyrics are brilliant like and they gave a couple of examples of songs and 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 one of the songs that they gave an example of was one that, that Craig actually played on Spirit Seldom Sober and and you know that song is all non-fiction it's a history of the peelers basically I'm sure we'll get to that yeah, when, we, when we, we talk about the songs. yeah I, I think that's the thing that how many of the greatest songs that have ever been written have been inspired by challenges, life experiences. Almost everyone, like there's that's I an would say so. fact. But do you know this? Like the, the album Palace of the Fiends, Johnny. When, what year did we meet? When did we play together first? Was it 2018 or 2017? Uh, I think it was 17. But yeah, I, I, could I, be. I think it must be 17, right? So yeah. I think I met Dave the first time that I was in in Montreal with you and at Hurley's. Yeah, and I remember I remember you telling me about the breakup that you'd gone through. And I, I, but like never, never did I realize that you know this album. Like uh, now I get it, but at the time I didn't know you well enough or know your musical projects and stuff. But there are some great songs on that Palace of the Fiend album as well. I, I personally I love the Black Eyed Blonde. It's a great tune, man. It's uh, so so. That's funny that you mentioned that because that goes back to uh, when we were talking about Katie by the door and myself saying you know I. I, I okay it was a great it was a good song but i didn't think it was a great song yeah and it's funny because black eyed blonde the guys will tell you that was uh at least john and, and eric will tell you that that's the one song i didn't want on the album and, and everybody oh, really? kept telling me no put it on the album put it on the album you almost kind so of it's funny funny you mentioned that actually moving towards more more like the present day you guys were in the middle of a tour when all this covid stuff hit right when we left on uh, on the tour, I mean, we we started hearing things about COVID. Like we weren't sure what it was, or no one could really define it. It was like, well, you know, it's like a flu or whatever. We got out to BC, and then all of a sudden, it became like a serious thing. We're starting to panic. We're like, uh, are we going to finish this tour? B- we were- BC is British Columbia, by the way, yeah. for all our Scottish 
yeah. for all our Scottish <laughs> listeners. The west coast of uh, Canada. Not yep. before Christ. <laughs> we were back yeah, on tour yeah. before the days of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> we had a big uh, show coming up in uh, Calgary for the yep. St. Pat's, uh, but that ended up getting canceled like the day before the gig. So we drove up to a small ski town called uh, Jasper, and that was our last show. And uh, we had to drive straight home after that, like 36 hours straight back to Montreal. It was a great show. <laughs> yeah. That was the last one. That was like March uh, yeah. I don't know, 14th or something. Like that. Stranded, stranded in northern Alberta. Yeah. Name it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> apologies to any of our listeners in northern Alberta. <laughs> no, they, well, don't worry. They agree. <laughs> well you know what though craig it's actually quite beautiful in uh it's not really northern alberta either it's kind of mid mid alberta i'd say but uh it's actually quite a beautiful location and uh uh people fly in from all over the world literally to to go there like to visit because you're right you're set right in the middle of the rockies so it's it's, it's actually quite beautiful so i should we should mention that as well down and out in the city of Saints, you guys, you guys have signed to Stomp Records, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, like, did you have a long-standing relationship with Stomp, or like, how did that come about, or like, what was the crack there? So it actually goes back to to Liquordale to two thousand four. We had talked. To, there was talk about maybe releasing uh, that album on on that label at the time, and uh, it, it just we just didn't feel right. Stomp Stomp at that time. Stomp started as a as a ska label. Um, oh and, really? They're you know they were primarily known for as a ska label, and uh, and they've kind of you know morphed over the years. They have a lot of punk bands on there as well now, and and uh, other genres as well. But um, we, uh, in 2004, they were, we, you know, there's rumblings about possibly releasing the album on, on that label. And then never really came about. And we never really had any serious meetings. Palace of the Fiend, we, we actually met with them. Eric and I actually met with uh, Matt, uh, who's the CEO. Fantastic guy, best guy. And he actually plays in a band called, uh, quite a popular Canadian ska band called the Planet Smashers. A very, very great band. And uh, Montreal band and uh, very, very well known for a lot of years in the Scott community uh, in North America. Met with them at that time, looked at, they offered it, made an offer and we, and we went back and forth and it, we just didn't feel right about it at that time. But you know what, um, the last couple of years since that album, or the last few years, I guess, since that album, you know, Eric and I uh, over the over the years always talked about how that was probably not the best decision. And uh, we knew we've been talking to Matt, uh, the CEO, for the last couple of years and saying, you know, next album, it's yours. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. And then we signed, I think we signed last summer at some point, uh, uh, mid-COVID, I'd say we signed, uh, we signed everything off. And uh, yeah, they're great guys. They're fantastic. And it's, a, you know, it's a punk, Scott punk label, independent, independent label, Montreal. You know how it works. There's not a lot of money, but you know what? They they really put 110 percent into their bands, and uh, and uh, we we love them. You know they're great. They've been great for us as well. So the the record was recorded between Vancouver and Montreal, right? Uh, it, it's mostly a Montreal record. Dan, uh, so uh, we had uh, a guest vocal recorded in Vancouver, oh, okay. and then we had a guest piper recorded in uh, Dundee, Scotland, as well. So okay. some uh, some. Back- over there and, uh, and uh, oh. we said get the most shite piper you can find the worst one the worst now now listen listen craig where you have to remember we're we we live you know glengarry county i mean i know a thousand pipers 
Yeah, man. But I went to the best, so there you go, uh, brother. You go. It meant it meant a hell of a lot to be asked. That was it's really ah. cool, and I'm really I'm really buzzing to be on the album because actually, you know, this is the first time that I have had a release that's not been one of my own projects. So it's my first ever like collab yes. release, and I'm really excited. Yes. About it. And I love vinyl as well. Vinyl is absolutely my favorite thing, and so the fact that this record's coming out in vinyl as well, it's so cool. We've spoken about. Palace of the Fiend, there's a lot of darkness, right? But down and out in the City of Saints, there's more darkness, but there's also a message of hope, that kind of positivity that shines through about it, which I really, I really like. It's it's, it's nice. So let's talk let's talk about each track in turn, right? So um, sure. give give us a roar, yeah. And that, I don't mean that literally. Uh, like, t- give us a roar. T- like, t- like, <laughs> t- let's talk about where that came from. Then it's a, it's a, it sounds like a really good festival tune. You can just imagine a kind of festival crowd. You know, I'll, I'll let John talk. I, I think I'll let John talk about the uh, individual in question. But we 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 have a John and I have a mutual friend uh, named uh, Jerry O'Neill, and he was a uh, he was quite a good uh, quite a great fiddler on the Montreal scene for a long time. He's originally from Derry uh, in Ireland. Came over, played actually at the Montreal Olympics in 1976. Played fiddle, and and sort of he he was a real staple of the of Montreal scene for a long time playing with a, another good friend of ours named Brendan Nolan, uh, who's also an, a, a Dubliner, I believe. Johnny, can you take the story from there uh, as far as Give yeah. Us a Roar goes? So, well, they, I mean, Brendan and Jerry played all over the place, but the main place that they played in was in the old Dublin pub in Montreal. Uh, and they were like legendary in that place. You couldn't, you couldn't get in the door of the old Dublin when they used to play there. And we're talking like back in the late 80s and early 90s. It was, the place was, a dingy uh, kind of underground uh, basement pub packed to the rafters when they played. And uh, Jerry would get up on stage and he would say exactly those words. He'd say, give us a roar. And, <laughs> and you know, in his dairy accent and the entire crowd would go absolutely ballistic. Oh, I was just going to say that that was his thing. And uh, that was the inspiration, I think, from the song, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. And I was just going to say, Craig, that he, uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry's been going through a rough time. He, you know, Jerry's probably in his uh, early 80s now, I'd say, or late yeah, 70s, so. early 80s. Yeah. And okay. uh, he's got a bit of dementia going on. And, and, um, and, and, you know what, he was a huge mentor to me and a big influence in, in, in my love of the music. And, um, and, and, you know, he's, he's not doing so well. So, uh, I kind of I gave him a shout out on uh, we did a we did a cover of Kunla on Palace of the Fiend, which is a uh, which is an old Irish traditional tune, and I it's called Kunla for Jer, and that's Jerry O'Neill. And then I, I wanted to give him another shout out on, on this on this album as well. So give us a roar. That's that's for Jer. And then you know the lyrics. This one's definitely fiction. This is this is me making up a story and uh, your typical uh, pirate uh, lifestyle meets. Uh, meets Irish, uh, you know, uh, uh, culture, oh. or pub crawl culture, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it comes from. But Give Us a Roar, that's a Jerry reference and uh, a Thanks. tribute to Jerry as well. And, and you know, a lot of, most people who know him or know know the music would, would get that right away for sure. Uh, the second track in the album is uh, Down and Out in the City of Saints, which is obviously the title track for the record. Let's talk about Down and Out in the City of Saints. Uh, that I would say this is the start of on this album, definitely the start of sort of personal uh, personal experience uh, within the song. So this is a Montreal song for for sure. So what this song is about, it you know the city of Saints. Sometimes Montreal gets referred to as the city of Saints, 
you won't hear a lot of people say it. I picked it up and I've just kind of ran with it in the last two albums. I, I just like that. Um, I just like that as a as a moniker, you know. So I've been using that to to refer to the city. And this song is kind of about traveling, being on the road, and seeing some great cities. So in the uh, chorus to this song, I mentioned uh, New Orleans. I mentioned uh, which I love. It's a great town. I love it. Uh, I mentioned uh, uh, kissing the cod, which is a uh, uh, which is a, a Newfoundland reference. So that's something they do in Newfoundland uh, to to get screeched in. You have to kiss a cod. It's a it's a whole process. And and then I also mentioned Johnny Wad. And and this is where it kind of gets interesting because walking through the valley like I'm Johnny Wad. So Johnny Wad uh, is a reference to John Holmes, who was a American porn star in the 70s and early 80s, who unfortunately uh, died uh, tra tragically died of of, uh, of HIV, I believe, or of uh, full blown AIDS. It's interesting because I I tried to find a way to uh, take us around North America in that chorus, but then say you know but I'm always coming back home to Montreal. So and now every morning I've got the shakes and I'm, and the guys will tell you, I'm really bad for getting the shakes and, and it's down and out in the city of saints. So it's waking up in Montreal, you know, after a, 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 a good night, no real banger of a night and, and just sort of, you know, it's nice to be home. That song's a little bit of a personal song in terms of um, it's about, it's about a girl and I'm not going to divulge who it is, but it's, you know, it's about a girl, but it's also about uh, it's about Montreal and, and, you know, my love for the city of Montreal. And I do I do love that city quite a bit as well. So it's a great tune. I mean, it was one of the newer ones that uh, David introduced to the band. Like the minute I joined the band, Dave was already uh, introducing new songs like uh, From Here to Halifax. And then uh, you slowly started bringing a bunch of others in like uh, Harder They Fall. And we started playing them at gigs. And uh, they were getting good responses. So I was like, oh, okay, this is going somewhere. This is good. And then I was always asking Dave, I'm like, well, do you have more songs? Like for a record, we're going to need at least, you know, 10, 12 songs. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's like, I got plenty of songs. And then we're talking about pre-production. Like, well, we need more songs. And Dave's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I got it. And then he sends me a tape and he's got all these songs on it. We're just, he's playing uh, like a scratch guitar track and he's singing along with it. And he's like, okay, here you go. Here's the album. Learn it. <laughs> hey, hey, I want to qualify. I need to qualify that so people don't think that I'm a, a degenerate uh, watcher of, of pornographic material. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> which I kind of am anyway. It's Yes, it's a reference to a, to a pornographic, male pornographic actor, but it, it has, a, it has a, a point, you know, it has a, it has a designation, right? Um, the, thir the third track on, on the record is, is Prize Fight. Uh, talk to me about Prize Fight. Where does that come from? You know, I have a tendency to, I, I'm a boxing fan. And I have a tendency to write about boxing. Uh, you'll, you'll see it on Palace of the Fiend as well. Basically, I used it this time as a metaphor for uh, unrequited love, I guess you'd say, you know, uh, and, and sort of a harmony, you know, like uh, it's, I was listening to, a, I gotta be honest, I was listening to a lot of Rancid when I wrote this song and it's got a kind of a Rancid feel to it as well. You know, but but uh, it, it's kind of a it's kind of it's a much it's another Montreal song. So, but also a shout out to my you know my ska background. Like I I was a ska guy growing up, and I still am. Uh, I love I love the genre. I love the music. So you know, Junior Mervin I mentioned in the first uh, in the in the first uh, verse. Uh, but then I also throw in a couple of local friends in that first verse as well. So it's 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 definitely a Montreal song. 
about, you know, everybody kind of coming together, you know, punk, all my sisters, my brothers, punks and skins and nutters. It's like, you know, and it's, it's, I'm trying to encompass everyone there. Right. And, uh, yep. So track four, spirit seldom sober. You know, some things just stick, stick with me and, and stick in the back of my head. And, and the title of this song was always, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. So I finally settled on spirits seldom sober. So basically what I did is I took 22 years of touring in this band and compressed it into uh, five, four or five verses, whatever it is. I, I, it's, it's a history of the Peelers. I kind of wrote it uh, using a character uh, as, as a, a euphemism for all the members of the band who have come and gone and who've toured with this band. So all the stories in that song, like literally from the top to the bottom, uh, all those, all the stories you hear, they're all Peeler's references. Like, you know, I, I played it, I played this song for, for friends that had been in the band. And uh, I think Eric at one point said, you know, was talking to me about how he read some of the lyrics and, or he heard some of the lyrics and he, he noticed references from, uh, or, uh, you know, from, from the past and from experience yep. we'd had as well. So like how, where did the idea come then, I guess, from, for like including pipes? Um, where'd the idea come from? It was kind of because I was writing about the band and the history of the band. And we had started in Glengarry and Glengarry's got such a rich Scottish heritage, biggest, Highland Games outside of Scotland, right in in North America, right. Yeah. So it was it was kind of like um, it, that. It, it, I, I wanted to put some pipes in there to kind of give it. It was a little bit of a callback to uh, to our roots, I suppose you can say. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I love using the pipes, but I also don't want to get into a situation. You know, there are other great bands out there who use the, the Scottish pipes uh, really well, and and uh, I I you know. There's, there are a couple, you know, there's one in particular that's, that's quite good from, from the uh, East coast of the United States and they use the pipes really well. And I don't want to get into a situation where we're, we're kind of, where we're trying to, you know, where it's maybe it's, there's a, 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 it seems like we're trying to sound like that. Like that's, that's not my, uh, that's not my MO at all. I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create something of our own, but I use the pipes in this situation because it just, it felt right for the song. It, it just added so much because I didn't hear anything of all the stuff that uh, Dave added till afterwards. I went in and just, I laid down the guitar, bass, acoustic and whatever. And I was used to living with just these raw tracks. Dave's like, oh, here's a pre-production uh, post, uh, you know, uh, mixing or pre-mixing, whatever. He sent me a tape and I heard all the bagpipes and the fiddles and everything. And the or I did like, I didn't know Eric played the organ and everything. I heard all these amazing tracks and I was blown away. I was just like, wow. Oh. Track number five is Stick and Move. Another boxing song. <laughs> yeah, I like to write about boxing. I, I'm a bit. I've always been a big fan, and um, kind of goes with the branding as well. You know, just in terms of the, you know, listen. We 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 obviously have a, a certain um, vibe that we're going for, and and uh, and I like writing about boxing because I feel like it it represents who we are as a band, and and definitely who I am as a person. So, stick and move uh, is written about a guy named Spike O'Sullivan who is a, an Irish boxer uh, from uh, Cork, okay. uh, you know, hard man from Cork. Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's basically a song about Spike and just kind of his, his, where he's from and, and sort of, uh, I don't know Spike personally. I, I mean, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times or, you know, I've, I've interacted with him on, on Instagram. I don't know him personally, but, uh, I always liked Spike because, he has that, um, he's got the, uh, I, I don't know what you call that, the mustache, like the, the curled mustache. Uh, so he, 
handlebar. Is that what, they, what it's called when it, when it's curled in the ends? Yeah, yeah, it's like a nineteen twenties mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's got that old old school. Um, uh, you know, and I'm a history guy, and I love the old school uh, uh, Irish stand down bare knuckle boxing, and you know J John Sullivan and and that, and that kind of thing. And he's got that look, right? So I I always liked that, and I always followed him. And and I don't know, this song just came to me, and uh, I haven't approached Spike about it yet, but I will. Uh, I'm going to send it to him at some point, and uh, huh. and you know see what he thinks of it. And goddamn, I hope he's not upset because I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be running for my life. Rinks around the point. It's uh, fiction meets non-fiction, I suppose you'd say. So it's a story, but you know the point, uh, the reference to the point. So uh, you know what rakes are uh, in the UK, the the terminology for a rake. You, you... I know what a rake is in terms of gardening. But what, no, what you... yeah, Jesus. E man, educate gonna... me here, Davy boy. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Hold, uh, okay. A rake would be like a bit of a hooligan or a, a bit of a, a bit of a troublemaker. Okay, and okay. I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be an Irishman listening to this podcast that's going to call me out on this, but <laughs> that's my understanding of rake is like uh, somebody who's a bit of a troublemaker. That song rakes around the point, so the rake, uh, so the point is actually Point Saint Charles in Montreal, which is where Scott lives, by the way. I'm half the mind thinking that he wrote this about me. But. <laughs> no, yes, well, so Point St. Charles, uh, part of Point St. Charles is Griffintown. Griffintown is, uh, is a, uh, was the original sort of uh, heavily Irish settled uh, uh, community in the city of Montreal and still has, you know, you'll still, I mean, it's completely changed now. They're, they're, it's, it's being gentrified like crazy now, but you'll still see some, some little, you know, some small references here or there to the Irish community that was there at one time. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of my take on uh, a, I hate to use this terminology, but I get, you know, maybe like a little bit of a gangster lifestyle in the point in Montreal and, and yeah. Montreal, Montreal certainly has its history with that, that kind of, uh, you know, debauchery or, or, or whatever terminology you want to use to describe it. So that's kind of where that song comes from. So uh, glad to see the back of you. And I don't mean that literally. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's another song that came late to the to the project. Okay. Uh, that we hadn't worked out on the road. You could use it. Anyone could use it as a, as you know, like just a reference to uh, to anyone in your life that uh, you're done with. You know that yeah. you, that you've uh, you know. In in my case, it's somebody that I gave a lot of chances to, and and and. Uh, I had a good relationship with, which went sour, and and uh, you know there was reluctance on on maybe one one side to to not forgive, and uh, and you know what, at some point you just have to say, well, you know what, uh, I don't care anymore, and it's uh, you know what, I close the door on this, and it's it's good to see the back of you, you know. I look forward to uh, hearing that story, whatever it might. Yeah, be. yeah, brother, for <laughs> sure. Last glass. It's got a different feel to it from the other the other tracks. It's a bit. It's a little bit more downbeat, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this is uh, this is. I, I would say this is the one song in the album that that I is kind of a throwback to my to my to the long relationship I got out of in 2015. Okay. There's a lot of references to that, and it's it's kind of uh, it, it's kind of coming to terms with you know when you're in a relationship for that for that long and you you've got to. You've got to kind of find yourself again, and this is me kind of, kind of 
fallen in love with myself again, you know, in this song. I mean, it sounds, it, it is, it is definitely a bit of a, a, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, a catharsis in this song, you know, like, well, here's where, you know, and if you listen to the, you know, the uh, bridge verse, you know, the bridge verse is extremely personal. Mm -hmm. And the way I wrote it is it, it's very subdued until the end of that bridge verse. And then, you know, it just, it smacks at the end of that bridge verse. And that was the point of that was to go from where I was to where I am now and, and kind of like, and let's get on with it. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of where that song comes from. I have to very say personal. there's, there's, there's big chunks of last glass that I can relate to on a very personal basis myself. Like, uh, and the, the basis for, the current EP that I'm working on is exactly the vibe of Last Glass. Having been in a really kind of rough place in, in, a, in a previous relationship and then it kind of fallen to bits and whatnot, and then discovering yourself and finding yourself again. And actually, like you're saying that, it, that it's kind of, it's a bit corny and whatnot, but actually it's not. Like people go through that every day and like it's, a, it's, it's important to find yourself and discover yourself again after being in such a rough place the way that I wrote, write all my songs is that I write it with the intention of, of, of others being able to relate, relate to it as well. Right. So I think, I, I think if someone reads that the lyrics to that song, there's nothing really specific to me or, you know, to, to anyone else. It's kind of, it's a song, you know, there, there are lyrics and there are situations in that song that I think every, all of us can, can relate to in, in some great. regard. For sure. Yeah. So as we move towards the kind of latter parts of the record, then harder they fall. Like the, it kicks in right at the start with Johnny and I kind of almost kind of flirting back and forward with one another in that line. Um, it's really cool. Um, it's brilliant. I I don't know. It's a weird song because it's uh, you know I, I between uh, Palace of the Fiend and this album, I I, I started to to uh, move away from um, just in terms of like I I, I had a conscious. Uh, a conscious move away with my songwriting from sort of being overly geared towards traditional or, or Celtic music all the time, you know? I, I wanted to kind of write songs that I that were coming out of my head that didn't sound that way. And this one was a real deliberate attempt at writing something that, you know, I mean, never mind the, the fact it's got fiddle and bagpipes on it. I mean, they, you know, it's it, the the whole point of the song was it, it was it was very different from what we had been doing up to this point, and uh, you know this is one that we worked out on the road for a few years too, and so we kind of got the feel of it, and and it just I don't know it just worked in live. It was a really cool tune, and uh, you know this I, I'll be honest with you, like there is there's a little bit of nonfiction, a little bit of fiction in this song, but the overall message to this song is I was I was uh, when I wrote this song I was uh, God I hate. To keep going back to mental illness but i went through a really rough time between 2014 and uh and uh you know 2017 or so and um it's a metaphor definitely for attacking your demons and and just sort of getting through getting through the hard times you know the bigger the problems are the the harder the you know the easier you know the bigger they are the harder they fall so the bigger the the issues uh, you know, as a person uh, uh, with your friends surrounding you, the easier time I'm going to have getting through it, you know, so mm -hmm. and, and that's definitely something that's happened, you know, I'm, I'm in a much better place now than I was definitely when I when I first met you for sure. And, uh, and before <laughs> that as well.
the, the record finishes on from here to Halifax, which is a really interesting track in itself. And it's got that really interesting kind of spoken word part in the middle, which I really, I actually really love the, the, the bass line kicking over the top of that, like uh, that spoken word part and that, that line about um, Sniper has been cowards. Like it's really, obviously the US, I'm not sure about Canada as much, but there's a real like gun problem that's kind of spoken about around the world. And, and like that, that in there is a kind of final sucker punch on the record is really, really, really powerful. I love it. Um, that Do you know who that is, the uh, spoken word? No. It's actually Bobby Kennedy t- kind of talking about how the country needs to heal in, in the wake of his brother's assassination, right? So, you know, the sniper, the sniper is, is just a coward. You know, that's, that's, that's a definite reference to JFK and, I've always been a JFK guy and, and uh, you know, I, I, he's definitely been a, a constant in all the albums in terms of references. That's just another JFK reference for me, but that's Bobby Kennedy. And I just felt like it just fit in that section. Like yeah. it just, the, what he's saying and, and, and the way he's saying it over top of the bass and drums, I just felt it fit really well. But that, that song, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's a, uh, you know, I love Halifax, a great town. I mean, I, I, doubt i don't know if you've been there or not but like flew into halifax once but i didn't actually get to go out and see it yeah so great town and very very uh you know celtic gale legacy there as well so you know it's a you know the east coast of the of canada's got that real uh got that real you know maritime flavor is very very much based on on the uk right in england england scotland ireland so uh it's a it's a it's a shout out to halifax but it's also a uh, it's also just a, a kind of a story about uh, traveling in 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 Canada in the U.S. as well. So a little shout out to New York and Boston, which are two of my favorite towns, yeah. and Chicago as well, which I love. And and it's funny because there's a Chicago reference in there, which is true actually. I'm just reading it now, and uh, that's a true story. So that's about a po- we saw the Pogues at the Congress Theater in Chicago. Eric, Eric and I and uh, a friend of ours. And so that's just a reference just to throw my friend Robert Robbie from uh, Seattle into the song. I threw that reference in. So sometimes it's just about finding content, right? And, and finding something that works. And th- those are towns that uh, in, in terms, you know, what I write, my point of view when I'm writing is from the point of view of the diaspora. You know, I, I'm, I'm fourth generation Irish Canadian or Canadian Irish, I should say. Um, I try to write about the diaspora, like I try to write about the experience of of uh, of the immigrant in the 21st century and the 20 you know 20th 21st century in North America. And so Boston, Chicago, New York, those are you know Montreal, Halifax, those are important uh, important cities to me for sure. I listened to the album to the track this afternoon. And I said this to Craig earlier on. It is great. Like I really liked it. So I to, I wanted to know. Eric, and I'll come to you first, actually, I'll ask you, out of those tracks on the album, which is your favourite, either on the album or to play live, or both? Actually, the, uh, the one that, uh, that I find the favourite on that is uh, Heart They Fall, uh, which, you know, Dave and I had actually discussed a little bit about that. It's not necessarily his favourite on the album, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, from a, playing that song live is, is friggin' amazing. And I think uh, Scotty referred to it as well. You know, getting uh, a little bit of a pit going on in uh, in, in that tune is a, is amazing. So uh, I love how it sounds on the on the album as well, with uh, 
with the pipes kicking in. Of course, when we play it live, we don't uh, we don't typically have a piper, so it sounds a little bit different. But on the album, it, it's just it's it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing sound, and that's a great song. Yeah, uh, Scott, what's what's yours? What's your favorite out of the list? I really um, one of my favorites is like one of the probably like one of the newer songs we never even played live. It's the one that's gone through like three titles. <laughs> um, but I just I just love that song. And uh, I really liked it when he first presented it to me just with guitar and vocal and everything. And I was like, man, this is really good. It's deep and it's uh, it's got some good lyrics and it says something. And then when I heard it with the bagpipe and everything on it, I just like, I was like, oh, this has to be like a released as a video or a single or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's one of my favorites, but I'm pretty much, I'm very happy with the album. Like I love all the songs on them. Like I'm, and I'm super proud to have played on them and everything so it's like it's like a feather in my cap you know it's like super excited for it to come out and like have everybody hear it it's going to come out on vinyl too and you know i come from that generation where albums were on vinyl and then they went to cd and it wasn't the same thing when it when your album came out on cd you're like oh look at my album you know like now it's coming out on vinyl again so i'm pretty stoked about that i'm going to be like you know i'm going to take the cover and hang it on my wall or something you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely do you know i know it's our podcast but you don't need to just say you don't have to say that the tracks with the bagpipes on are your favorite i mean we've asked two. So, so so ali were you gonna ask me next yeah but what i'll say is what's what's your favorite and it's not one with the bagpipes in it <laughs> so it's funny you guys went there because i was going to say i'm just gonna try and curry favor with the host of this podcast and say <laughs> Sell, spirit sell them sober or uh, harder they fall but while those are great tracks and he did a great job it's not one of those uh my favorite track on the album is glad to see the back of you for a couple of reasons it's uh the story that i can't go into it, it means a lot to me personally and i just like i just think that that's a powerful song in terms of the message and uh and i being a, a huge footy fan myself i just love the 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 uh the opening, which is the let's go mental chant uh, right off the top. Right. So it, it, it's, that song is, is very personal and means a lot to me. And uh, I, it's going to be the second single off the album. Uh, and uh, I just, I don't know. There's something about that song that it, uh, when we were recording it uh, and we, we finished and it was mixed uh, myself and, and our producer uh, Pierre uh, were sitting in the, in the control room, listening back to it. And when we got to the the uh, bridge verse on that, which is uh, Holloway to some old and distant shore, like when we got to that part, uh, our the hair in our arms just stood up. I, I for some reason that song just just gets me every time I hear it. So that's where I'll go. Well, by the time this podcast episode comes out on the fifteenth of March, you guys' album will then be out down and out in the city since. What are your hopes for it? What do you want to achieve with that album? What 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 are your hopes for it? Sure. Uh, what we want, I mean, honestly, uh, people to listen to the album, uh, you know, in, in enjoy what we enjoy. Uh, you know, really get the uh, you know get people to listen to it, uh, get it out there, uh, get it across. And you know, just get it out into music lovers' hands. Uh, not uh, not looking here necessarily to 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 to, uh, no, to, to, to sell albums. Actually, albums don't sell a lot anymore. But uh, what we want is is really to get out there, to get the music listened to, 
to get the band together again and uh, essentially hit the road and you know be, be in front of people and, and enjoy the music with them. We just we just want to get out and play like you know man it's been too long you know it's been almost a year since we've been on stage and uh, and uh, we you know I love to travel I mean personally I know Scott and Eric do as well and you know, we just miss being out there and being able to travel and, and, and step on stages and play for, and meet and meet great people like, you know, like yourself and Ali. Like, it's just the best thing. Right. That's yep. we don't do this for the money, as I'm sure you don't either, brother. I mean, you know, you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of money in it, you know, but like for me, it's personal experience. And uh, God, you know, while I'm young, while I'm relatively young, I still I just want to get out there and uh and get on the road and and meet the friends that I haven't met yet, you know, to, to, I think to borrow from Yates, I think, or, or something like that. Yeah. You've actually, you've actually led us on to the last question, which was touring. Like, um, obviously that's very, very difficult just now with the COVID thing, but like when it's done, I'm assuming that you're going to be touring. Um, from what we've discussed, is it a North American and a, and a European tour or are we going wider or what's the crack? Well, I think they're going to start with Canada. So I, I think, um, I think the right now uh, the label's hoping they'll be able to get us out across Canada again in the fall. And then I've, I've definitely um, talked to them about Europe, which is very important to me. Uh, the U S I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure what the situation is going to be in the U S like, you know, the border, the border's still closed here. Right. Like yeah. I'm like where I sit right now, I live, I live literally 10 minutes from, uh, from a uh, bridge to New York state and uh, it's closed and it's been closed for almost a year now. So right. uh, I, I don't know where that, you know, and, and Europe as well, right? Like we, we couldn't fly out there now if we wanted to. Right. Um, but so I don't know, but for me personally, uh, and I'm sure for Eric and Scott as well, uh, Europe is high, is high on our list of, uh, of things to do. So after Canada, I think we're going to look at um, hopefully, you know, 2022, hopefully getting to Europe and, uh, and being able to, to tour this this album a little bit in Europe. Can't yeah. wait for the, can't wait for my personal tour of Dundee, by the way. I, I can't I'm trying to remember if I've been to Dundee before. I, I can't remember uh, clearly. But uh, yeah, I'd love a I'd love a, 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 a very personal up from somebody who knows the knows you know <laughs> you will get that for sure you have my yeah. work and where where's ali from yeah i'm like 20, 20 minutes away from dundee it's a very small town it's called forfer for yeah, sounds like a lot sounds like a lovely place I'm sure they got a couple of pubs there for sure oh that, <laughs> everywhere's got pubs in scotland i know <laughs> i know man <laughs> Guys, anyway. we have to we have to go because we've got another episode we have to record. Thank you Brother. so much to the guys in the Peelers for coming on. Uh, it's meant a lot to us to have you on, and all the best with the new record. We'll see you very soon. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig Ali. Thanks. Cheers.